0: I think it was the 18th of December. It was an amazing day, clear skies, everything's great.
1: This is Sam Bennett.
0: I wasn't wearing a helmet because uh, at the time I didn't think it was cool.
1: Five foot ten, light brown hair.
0: But uh, I remember having a really big, thick scarf on because it was cold. He's a cyclist. Decided to go out some uh, some new roads and uh, ended up going down a hill and the car. Came straight across the road, the wrong side. Um, he said he didn't see me, that the, that the sun was in his eyes or something. I, I hit the car head on.
1: He's battled against injury, self-doubt and the weight of expectation.
0: I remember little bits kind of coming in and out of consciousness all day. His journey at times
1: has been a rocky one.
0: I woke up in the hospital to them saying we have to amputate the leg. They were wheeling me off to do that. As was <laughs> don't take it off, don't amputate the leg.
1: This was 2009. He was 19.
0: The, the doctor over said, give me a look. They ended up having the bandage on too tight, which was stopping the pulse. Would have made such a mistake.
1: It's just as well that the doctor realised the error because, five and a half years later, Sam is a professional cyclist about to start his very first Tour de France. I'm Shane Stokes. I'm a journalist involved with the sport for 30 years. I'm on the tour for the Cycling Tips website. I'm also following Sam over the three weeks and almost 3,500 kilometers of the world's toughest sporting event. It's the eve of the 2015 tour. It starts this year in the Netherlands and heads through Belgium and onto France. There are 198 riders, including Sam Bennett. There are 22 teams, Each one a multi-million euro operation.
0: It's the biggest race in the world with the best riders and they're all in tip-top condition, so it's uh, never going to be easy and I just have to try and uh, stay relaxed.
1: The scale of it all is dawning on him. It never really
0: hit me until I actually got here and you saw the amount of staff and their organisation being put into the race. Just the scale of it, it's massive. Um, So it hadn't really hit me until I got here and I still don't think it really has hit me it's how big it is um, and you can see why it's one of the biggest sporting events in the world.
1: There can only be one winner. But with 21 stages, success is possible for others along the way.
0: I'd absolutely love a podium. Like I know it's, it might be unrealistic, um, but if I could get a podium, I'd be thrilled.
1: Aside from a top three finish on a stage, he has one other goal in mind, reaching Paris in three weeks time.
0: I'd love to, uh, to finish my first Grand Tour as well. I think I'm coming to an age now where I need a Grand Tour like this in my legs um, to get a bit stronger and uh, develop me for the years to come. This, this week, two years ago, was a week where I was deciding whether I'd give up or continue with the sport, so it's a, I've come a long way in two years.
1: I grew up during the golden age of Irish cycling, watching the big three-week races, known as the Grand Tours of Italy, Spain and, of course, the Tour de France won by Stephen Roach in 1987. That was three years before Sam Bennett was born in Belgium. His parents are Irish, but his father was a professional athlete there.
0: Yeah, um, my dad was playing uh, soccer at the time.
1: Sam's family knows all about the uncertainty of a professional sporting career.
0: He played there until I was four, until he got an injury that finished his career.
2: I suppose his love for cycling really comes from his mother because you know, from a very early age, he had him on the back of a bike going over cobblestones in Belgium, so I suppose maybe the, the love for cycling came from there. And um, obviously when he was old enough then, he had his own bike.
1: That's Mike, Sam's dad.
2: I remember the first day um, we took off the stabilizers, I said, I'm going to hold the saddle now behind you, which I didn't, of course, and he just cycled off. and Just always had a natural balance and uh, natural athlete, you know.
1: Sam was on the road with his dad from an early age.
2: I broke my crucial ligaments at the time and he was very young, uh, maybe three and a half, four and he's already cycling on the road and um, I'd go off every day cycling, trying to build up my knee and he insisted on coming so we'd do a good few k. So I suppose from a very, very young age he's been cycling, yeah.
1: How did you feel when he got into it competitively?
2: Um, I suppose in the house really there was a bit of trouble first because always in our house um, it was always field sports I wanted him I didn't really mind what sport he played but I wanted him to play um, a sport where he would be in a dressing room environment where he would learn to stand up for himself yet the environment is controlled I didn't think he'd get that uh, in the cycling and I thought it was too individualistic so a bit of trouble there until Helen turned around and said look they need to be their own men, they need to do what they want to do. So I had to back off there a little bit on that. So um, it actually worked out very, very well in the end.
1: Sam was born in the heartland of European cycling. On return to Ireland, the family moved to Sean Kelly's hometown of Carrick and Shure. Um,
2: When we came back from uh, Belgium, Sam was about five. So over over those years, there was no real underage cycling in Carrick. And Sam was all the time saying, you know wanted to do the cycling always and came back to the cycling and um, one Sunday morning we're having dinner at my parents house and Carrick Wheelers were obviously holding one of the races and next uh, thing a load of you know young cyclists around Sam's age passed by on bikes and everything in the gear and he jumped up from the dinner table and he said that's what I want to do.
1: His talent was spotted early on.
3: Sam started off in Carrick on a mountain bike league he started nine years of age you can't race on the road until you're 10 around here.
1: That's Martin O'Loughlin, who coached Sam from a young age.
3: His general athletic ability was something that really stood out. Uh, he could do anything as well in terms of bike control. Like, he can do tricks. He's, you know, Sagan is famous for doing the one-handed wheelies and things like that, but Sam can do the same. You know, Sam can ride backwards around the velodrome on a track, you know, on a fixed wheel, which is something... That's quite hard to do. I couldn't do it, you know. I've tried.
1: Coming from Carrick and Shore, it was perhaps inevitable that a talent like his would be compared to Sean Kelly.
4: I had a Sam, of course, you know, in the uh, underage junior here in Ireland. There was a lot of people talking about him, um, you know, how good he was. And of course, they were comparing him to, you know, another Sean Kelly, which would be normal because he came from Carrick and Shure.
1: Carrick isn't the only thing that Sean Kelly and Sam Bennett have in common, they are both sprinters. Riders who can draw on a huge burst of speed at the end of races. Kelly explains what it is like in this hectic environment.
5: It's
1: a big
4: fight. Um, a lot of bad language. <laughs> and uh, a lot of, you know... Um, a lot of pushing about a lot of weight throwing I don't mean where you know you push riders physically with your hand but you know you, they lean on each other a lot and the elbow sometimes you can get you know, that poke of the elbow it's not an easy place it's not a nice place to be but as a sprinter that's your um, that's your job that's what you're good at that's what you're in the team uh, for and uh, you know all stages in the tour as I say the first days for the sprinters it does get very hectic because you get a lot of riders up there who are not real good sprinters, but they feel good in the earlier days. So that that risk is much greater in those early days of the race.
1: To perform, sprinters need to be at 100%. At the beginning of Sam's first ever Tour de France, things aren't ideal.
0: The preparation hasn't been exactly as I wanted, but um, yeah, I'll just uh, take it day by day. I know for sure like the first few days are gonna be hard, and. It's a Tour de France, everybody wants a result. It's going to be very difficult, and also with the crowds, it's, it's always dangerous and there's always crashes the first week of a Grand Tour. Everybody's nervous, um, just have to try and uh, stay upright.
1: Sam explains why his preparation hasn't been ideal.
0: I picked up a bug, a virus from uh, a race, had a, a week there where I didn't uh, get to do uh, the best training, and um, then just found uh, some stomach problems there earlier on the week, so, I missed out on a good uh, two, three weeks preparation.
1: Ralph Denk, his team manager, is more philosophical about expectations. He arrived here with a lot of training, but without races and we will see what's going on. Do you think it may take a few days before he is at 100%? I think not, he is a f- full-blood racer, so uh, I, uh, he is good enough also fundamentally to can uh, compare with the best sprinters without races in a, in a preparation. Are you pleased with his progress so far with the team? Yeah, for sure. Do you think it's possible for him to win a stage in this Tour de France, is that what you want or do you have other expectations? Uh, I think with a, with a bit of luck uh, it's possible, yeah could be possible, yeah. Sam writes for the German bora Argon 18 squad. Like team sports, only the best line out. Attention is now focused on the biggest show on earth. It's day one of the 2015 Tour de France. I'm here in Utrecht in the Netherlands, and Sam Bennett is about to get his Tour de France underway. So, Sam Bennett's Tour de France has begun. He's got just under 14 kilometers of an individual time trial. He'll ride that alone, flat out, trying to get the best possible time. His race is based more about the sprints, and he'll use the next few days to build his form up and look for opportunities. Traditionally, the opening week of the tour is a chance for sprinters to shine. They are a breed apart, as Martin O'Loughlin explains.
3: They have muscle fibres that are quite different. Some of them are a little bit like weightlifters on bicycles in that they can just push huge amounts of power onto the pedal for a very, very short time. They have the ability to get round corners quicker than the rest of the riders. uh, And when they commit, they just go 100%.
1: As well as the physical attributes, Sean Kelly explains what else a sprinter needs to be. Uh, a
4: bit of another, no fear. Um, I think, yeah, no fear is the thing because when you see the sprinters, you know the risk they take, going around those corners, the, um, the the physical pushing about, fighting for wheels, and you know the pushing and elbow going on there. It's amazing. It's amazing those guys can stay upright, but you know they are the kamikaze guys. And you have to be a bit crazy to be a sprinter.
3: Uh, you know, somebody like myself would put out maybe twelve hundred watts of power in a sprint. Sam can do maybe another six or seven hundred watts above that, and uh, he's just got this serious amount of. Uh, Bike control.
1: The thing Sam is best known for was not apparent early on.
3: You know, he had no concept of how good he was. Uh, he came to me, ironically, uh, f- to take him on, a- to coach him, uh, because he couldn't sprint. You know, uh, he was getting his backside kicked in races, but really the real reason why that was happening was that he was actually using tactics of cross-country runner. He was just going to the to the front at the races and just trying to ride everybody off his wheel and uh, some guys were a lot more experienced and clever and they could use uh, the wind to their advantage and draft in behind him when you're following a cyclist you can save up to 30% of your energy just by tucking in you know so guys who are 25% worse than Sam in ability wise uh, could still stick with him
0: when I started road racing at 14 I couldn't sprint at all um, and like it wasn't until I was junior I just developed a sprint and it was, yeah, I don't know, his puberty hit me late or what, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, all of a sudden I could
3: sprint. But Once we got him to examine his tactics and just to actually analyse what was needed to win a race, uh, he never looked back.
1: Sam's ability, combined with training, starts to pay dividends. In 2008, as an amateur, he won the European junior track points race. In the next season, at 18 years of age, he became one of the youngest ever stage winners in the Ross, Ireland's toughest cycling event. On that day, Sam explained how it was an emotional time for him. Never expected this, like, it's unbelievable, I can't believe it. Preparation
0: hasn't been too good, like, but I was getting the train and. But unlike the professionals, I wasn't getting the rest in. That was the only bit. This is my first win of the season. I haven't been going good all year. and We had a bad sickness in the family. Uh, My mother had cancer, so it was a rough time for me. So I just wanted to dedicate
1: this to her. Since then, he secured his professional contract with a stage victory in the 2013 tour of Britain. of reaction cycles going to get the victory as he goes across the line to take the win. He's also on notched Bennett up on several Post pro Chain wins, including triumph on the final day of this year's tour of Qatar. It's Monday morning in Antwerp, the Diamond City in Belgium. Sam Bennett is about to start his third stage of the Tour de France. The first two days have gone fine for him. He wrote the prologue on Saturday, performed respectably in that. And then on Sunday's second stage, which was split by crosswinds, he finished in the second group. The third stage of the Tour would prove costly for some riders. The big crash, a big crash has gone down there and uh, was just being announced on race radio. This was just, and this is the moment now when everybody's trying to take the few risks to go up to the front. Let's see where it happens. There were two massive crashes near the end that put many riders out, including the race leader, Fabian Cancellara. Sam's luck held up on that third stage. I don't know how
0: I got through. Um, I actually didn't think you could get, could get that much tyre smoke from a bike tyre and the smell of rubber. Just, it was awful, um, but uh, I've been pretty close to the lows. The first day, especially, I was up near the front of the peloton for the first half of the race, and then got caught out in one corner. Couldn't get up near the front at all, and every five minutes was a crash, and uh, I just lost my nerve then before the peloton split and that, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty dangerous, but I'm just really, really happy that uh, I've stayed up so far, I've seen some nasty crashes.
1: It's the morning of stage four, and we are about to cross the border from Belgium into France. Sam's in the bottom half of the peloton, the cycling term for the main field. He's nervous but excited.
5: Yeah, it's
0: absolutely amazing. Just the crowds are electrifying. Just uh, but it, like it's just so dangerous. You have so many things to think about. You have like all the riders in the bunch are so twitchy at the moment there's a lot of nerves in the bunch and then you have to watch out for all the like people on the side of the roads and they're just doing really stupid things and just like they're looking through the lens and the camera but don't realize they're out on the road and that, how close the peloton is and they're nearly taking guys down and it's just there's so many things to think about in this race that you're just mentally tired at the end of the day more than anything um, and i think that's the biggest thing is it very different
1: to any race you've done before?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a total, totally different ball game. Just even the speed in the peloton is constantly really, really high. and Because everybody's trying to stay up out of danger. Uh, like, yeah, uh, up in front of the, the peloton and uh, it just drives the speed up. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard.
1: It's easy to understand why Sam would be so concerned about his safety. Cycling injuries can be particularly nasty. His 2009 collision with the car that we heard about earlier had serious repercussions.
0: Because I, like, I had massive uh, bruising and swelling of the head, and I, uh, I slit my eyelid, and that had to be. They, they couldn't stitch it, but they had these uh, bandages that would keep it in place. But, um, but I had a broken collarbone, punctured thigh and uh, I remember the leg locked out straight. It
2: impacted all these major organs, not for you and me, where we wouldn't need them to, to, the, to the level that he needs them, like, you know, we'd be okay in six months or so, but for the level that he wanted, it uh, would take a lot longer.
1: Sam's father, Mike, said the crash had a long-term effect.
2: It impacted his immune system and everything else, and I suppose over the, the, that three, three and a half years, an awful lot of frustration for Sam regards, you know, trying to get up to the, you know, the very, very high level of international sport and his system breaking down a bit with regards to his immune system and that.
1: Sam's physical injuries impacted his form for several years and led to many complications. His manager at the OnPulse team, Kurt Bogarts, said that this, in turn, caused Sam a lot of stress. He was
4: never happy with small results he doing. And he always wanted to do more. And, and then sometimes he came in an overtraining, because he was on a certain level, but then he wanted more. So Sam was always wanted to go faster, and that basically set him back a few times. He was very ambitious because I think because coming from Ireland, coming from the same town as Sean Kelly, and doing results on a very young age, he was always referred a little bit same characteristics as a sprinter. He's the new Sean Kelly and then as a young guy, you think always what people say and you want to do good. So, of course, he wants. To, he's very ambitious.
0: You get some results here and there where they show potential, but you get sick or injured in between them and you can never shrink like a period of time together where you can really get great form and show what you can do. You get sick or injured, you feel more stress you try to push back, come back too hard, too quick and then you get sick and injured because of that you just have to try and keep cool um, because and yeah just try and uh, build it slowly When you have a little bit of success here and there and get some results if people all of a sudden say yeah, new Sean Kelly yeah, new best thing but there's a lot that has to go right and a lot a lot of things have to come together
4: being talked up as an next sean Kelly I think uh, the big thing was there was a lot of expectations of him it was just that he showed such a talent um, you know in his early days and um, he was you know built up within the cycling fraternity you know people were talking about him he's going to go a long ways and of course then it starts to work on the guy's mind
1: during 2013, Sam had a career crisis as a result of the battle against injury, self-doubt and the weight of expectation. He returned home from Belgium and considered giving up cycling. A heart-to-heart with his father, plus support from Kurt Bogarts, saw him head back to the continent with renewed focus.
2: When he went in, and eventually went to Impost an and that we said like you've got to give this two or three years but after that you know if it's not happening if he wasn't getting there that he would go back to college and that was kind of the agreement so he we went away for a week and he came back and he's just said um, cycling is all I want to do so that was it really so we went back and I think he did about 10 races 10 to 15 races um, before the Tour of Britain and I don't think he was outside the top 10 once yeah. You know, and um, he just put in, he just doubled his effort. I said, How much did you go through to get to that level for the Tour of Britain? He said, I was doing effort and training. He said, And I couldn't stand up at the line, the side of the road. So, you know, that's the effort that he put in to get there, like, you know, and uh, you got to appreciate that.
0: I think maybe sometimes he saw himself in me when I was injured and he could understand the frustration. And I think he just, uh, yeah, at times maybe he felt for me so like we're, yeah he could He was really understanding and now uh, was great help
1: Sam's burst of results included that stage win in the Tour of Britain this secured him his pro contract and down the line led to his Tour de France ride we're getting close to halfway on the tour the big names are moving forward Chris Froome is already in the lead while sprinters such as Andre Greipel and Mark Cavendish are expected to battle on stage seven. Sam Bennett hopes to push his way in there. So Sam, we're about to start stage seven. How has the last couple of days been? Um, really fast, really, really hard,
0: and a uh, bit of a shock to the system, but uh, you know, you notice when you don't have the work done that you just can't hide in this way, so you have to be 100%, and uh, uh, that's why I'm, I'm struggling a bit. Um, I like stages like yesterday, uh, I would have liked to be been in the mix if I was in really top shape but just even the running is so fast and just don't, don't have it at the minute I'm getting better as the days go on but uh, I'm trying to wait until the right day uh,
1: when everything comes back together and so hopefully today will be something I can do something Today is seen by many people as probably the first the, the first real opportunity for a big sprint finish yeah, it, it seems that way, um, but
0: uh, just trying to, yeah, I think it should be a bunch of print, uh, but I just hope I can get in the mix. What's the Irish support been like? Have you seen many fans? Um, yeah, I've seen a few Irish flags, uh, unless it's a, a faded Italian flag, but uh, <laughs> I just I pretend it's an Irish flag anyway. Yeah, there's a, there's a few, and I heard my name being called a few times and seen a few Irish fans, That's that's lovely to see as
1: well. Sam is being cheered on as one of only 11 Irishmen to have ridden the tour. There is a dramatic finish to stage seven. life they're all chasing. Kavanish coming through on the left of our picture. has won the day. He has Sam finishes tenth and is very disappointed not to be closer to the win.
0: Yeah, it was, it was disappointing. Now the last two k to go, we wanted to come up the outside into the last right hander with uh, just under a k to go. It's so always going to be a finish where I was lined out with the corners. But uh, I got on Cal's wheel with one k uh, just before one k to go, and then coming into the last right hander, um, I got sandwiched a bit, um, just, and I bottled it as well after seeing the crashes that happened during the week. And it was a it was a quick quick finish down into that corner. Um, I should have I should have just thrown the bike in and hope for the best. But um, yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed to not uh, really get the sprint because. Looking at some pictures, um, I was in position 18th or 19th with 500 metres to go. If I stayed in the position I was in, top five was definitely possible and it would have been a huge result in the first Grand Tour.
1: As Sean Kelly said earlier, sprinters need to be nutters. They must be fearless, but Sam's hesitation is a direct result of a very big crash in the Priest race in Belgium back in April. He fell with just over a kilometre to go, and was hit, in turn, by other riders and bikes. As a result, he ended up in hospital.
4: Oh, but look at Alexander Kristoff. He is the man to beat here. From Popple being brought to the front as well by Trek. Oh, we've riders down!
1: Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear! You can...
0: Sometimes sprinters have this thing where they, they try to get inside your head, and they push you or give you a nudge, try and, like, rattle you a bit to... Um, so that you kind of give them their way. He tried to uh, do that. And there was just no room. He just went into a gap that wasn't there, and he came down, and his handlebar hooked me a little bit, and I hit the wheel in front and came down and We're doing about sixty kilometers per hour. First, the thought my collarbones were gone, and then it was okay, but the chain ring of the bike went into my hip, and uh I thought for sure my hip was broken, I was in so much pain, so I was nervous. You have a few close calls, you just don't want to take the risks, um, which is bad because in this occupation you have to take risks time to time.
1: Sean Kelly is clear on the importance of being able to shrug off impacts, even bad ones.
4: You need to get mad again. (laughs) I think that's sprinter, that's the mentality. Um, You know, some guys I think start out at a young age and you come through the juniors and you are, you know, pretty good in the sprint and then you get one good spill and after that they're scared. But the real sprinters, the real good ones, you know, you can... You can crash many times, and we've seen the big ones. Uh, you know, you just look at Cavendish last year, for example. You know, where he did ligaments and all of that. But you know, we will see Cavendish again in the tour. Like you know, he will not be uh, scared, and that's what sprinters are. Uh, you have a big one, takes you maybe a couple of races to get back in again to get that, get over that. But they get over it so quickly, and they're back to the same antics once again.
1: Sam accepts this is the way it has to be in this area of the sport.
0: After have to try and remember that not all crashes are going to be as heavy but you still have to fear because you know how hard it can be and also if i crashed in stage seven and was out of the tour then i'm losing that opportunity to harden the body and to progress for other years so that's also something playing in my mind but um yeah for sure like it's the tour de france you have to go 100 you have to go 110 you can't be holding back like that and uh, I'm a bit disappointed in myself. If there was a sprint the next day, I like. First of all, I'm a confident because the first few, few days were so fast and hard. I thought I can't compete here. Then I was competing in, like on stage seven, and that was a confidence booster in itself. Um, and then I was tenth, and I didn't really get to open it up. I didn't really get to sprint, and I was watching the sprint happen in front of me, but couldn't participate in it. And for sure, if there was a sprint the next day, I would have been going all out for it.
1: The following days didn't suit the sprinters. The tour moves towards the high mountains where things were about to get a whole lot tougher. In years past, this was the terrain where some of the most spectacular performances took place, including those of Lance Armstrong. History now shows that many of those were not real.
5: There was a period, particularly in the 1990s and early 2000s, where the sport of cycling was beset with, with, with problems with doping. And th- th- there really was a period of maybe 10, 15 years. It's very hard to look at any of the performances with any degree of um, faith.
1: That's Conor McGrain, Cycling Ireland's doctor.
5: Certainly there were there were drugs around then which there were no adequate tests for which caused uh, huge um, improvements in riders' uh, abilities to perform. None of the the races that you, you look back on there now really look, they don't really look real at all. Um, in, in some ways looking at some of the clips of them they almost look like some of the old uh, black and white silent films where everything's running at a slightly faster pace than it should.
1: He feels better about the current era.
5: I think things are a lot better. Uh, unfortunately, um, in every sport, in every facet of life, you'll get people who are cheating and taking shortcuts, and people who are, are doing things that are against the rules. Um, I think whereas 15 years ago, it would have been near impossible to um, have a career in pro cycling without taking something. I think now, there are certainly a lot of signs that riders who are not taking um, drugs or banned substances are able to have successful careers and to win at, uh, at, at, at all levels.
1: Connor has worked with Sam for many years. He has faith in him.
5: He's a rider I really would have uh, absolute faith in.
1: Back on the tour, we're halfway. It's stage 10. It's the first day in the Pyrenees, and Chris Froome is extending his lead.
4: Is there anybody now can beat him in this year's Tour de France?
1: 100 meters to go. Froome has conquered. Literally, the sky's the limit now for him. As he for Sam Bennett, the mountain stages are testing his resilience, but he's holding up well. Sam, the first mountain stage yesterday, how was it for you? Um, It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Actually, the flat flat parts were the hardest parts for me.
0: I was always near the back and suffering there. But, okay, the group header went away from me in the steeper parts, but uh, I ended up catching them halfway up the climb and they were all tired from going too hard in the bottom. I just stayed uh, at a good tempo within my limits and I ended up finishing really comfortably, which was really good. Um, the only other problem is, is the first morning where I woke up really tired, so uh, I can feel the, the days in the legs now, um, but just try and get through today, probably try and do the same, just keep within
1: my limits and uh, stay in a good uh, group. Sam's manager, Ralph Denk, is encouraged as to how things are going. He surprised me a bit. He uh, was really good at the last two stages mm, and he looks also good. Uh, so, uh, I, I think we are full in plan. You think his form is now finally coming? With his performance, we are so far happier. 1987 Tour winner Stephen Roach explains how the race has been so tough for Sam.
5: This year for our first tour, like it's um, plus Sam came into it, unfortunately, with having injury and illness, you know, it wasn't the best preparation and this tour, like you can say, we've had a classic since day one, every day has been a classic, like some stages 45, 47k an hour in the first hour, 50k an hour one day, you know, so um, the speeds are incredible. Every day is something happening. So, for someone that's come in with bad preparation and hasn't ridden the tour, you know,
1: it's more than an eye opener. So, I mean, if Sam gets to Paris, and hopefully he will, you know, it'll be an incredible achievement. We'll stand to him for the rest of his career. It's July the 16th. We are over halfway through the tour, still in the Pyrenees. And Sam is tiring but remains upbeat. Just, I don't know, it just heads all over the place. You went up the Tour which is one of the hardest climbs. It's very high. What was that like? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it just went on forever, uh, but
0: I just trying to just, just control my pace. And um, yeah, it was, you could even feel the air getting thinner. Uh, like you're taking like deeper breaths and you just didn't feel like you are getting the oxygen, but it was grand. But like with a bunch of sprinters coming down off it, like they, they cornered so hard.
1: Like it was, it was really cool, it was fun. Another rider from the era of Kelly and Roach Malcolm Elliott knows how hard the tour is on the body. You can get so tired that just everything seems to shut down, even your digestive system just slows
4: down, and you find it difficult to, uh, to, to get food on board. Uh, the exhaustion its just, uh, it's just another dimension uh, that you've never really experienced before. So, uh, yeah, for a sprinter, it is all just about trying to survive the difficult days just to get
1: through to, to the, the odd few that, that, that matter. The riders have had a rest day. The next morning, at the start of stage 17, I meet Sam as the tour heads into the Alps. So Sam, the second rest day is done, we're, we're inching closer and closer to Paris. Where are you in your own mind now at this point? Um, I don't know, I just, I really love to get to Paris.
0: Um, but yesterday I uh, got a really bad fever and uh, had antibiotics last night and... Uh, I felt like I couldn't even walk down to dinner last night. It was just so bad. And I was in bed, all my clothes on, under the blankets. And I felt freezing. And the, my roommate was there with his top off because he was too hot. Um, so yesterday I thought I wouldn't be starting today. But, uh, yeah, I'll start today and then just see how it goes.
1: How did that feel to have that uncertainty, having worked so hard? It must have been very difficult for you. Yeah, it's,
0: it's really disappointing. Yeah. Um, I really want to, to push each day to try and reach a new uh, like, trying become a stronger rider and uh, I know the more days I can do the better I'll be for it um, but there also comes a point where you push just too much over the limit where you're going to be like, wrecked for the rest of the season, it's not good for the team either
1: Yeah. Do you feel better this morning then after that night's sleep and
0: after the antibiotics? Ah, uh, Worlds better. Like, yes, I slept, I think, about 18 hours. Like, I went back to bed uh, midday yesterday. Went down for lunch, found it hard to go down to lunch, and then was just, yeah, just wrecked all day.
1: You've never done a race like this before, so is this the most fatigued you felt in your career?
0: You just get to a point where your mind is telling your body to go harder and it just reaches the limit and just won't go any faster. And it's a lot slower. That limit is a lot slower
1: than when you were fresh. It's July 22nd. It's a dark, damp evening in Loup. the end of the first Alpine stage of the Tour de France. The race is nearing an end... As you can hear, thunder rumbles overhead. It's been a very tough day at the race. Several riders dropped out on this day. One of those departing was Sam Bennett. Starting the tour he had two aims. One was to place as highly as possible on at least one of the sprint stages. The second was to make it to Paris. But that's not guaranteed for any rider, let alone somebody riding their first Tour to France and who's had compromised preparation due to illness. In the end, Sam's body couldn't take any more of the physical toll of the race. The Tour reaches its climax in the Champs Elysées in Paris. Here is Chris Froome, let's not forget Phil, the winner of the Tour de France this year, uh, born in Nairobi in Kenya. 44 riders, including Sam, didn't make it all the way. But keep in mind two of the world's top sprinters, Mark Cavendish and Marcel Kittel, didn't get as far as Sam when they made their first attempts in this brutal race. Sean Kelly is pragmatic. For Sam, it's always going to be a difficult tour because being sick,
4: two weeks you know, running up to the tour, um, it's not, a, not the perfect way for your first time taking part in the tour. And this year, of course, this has been an exceptionally difficult tour. I don't see any reason why he cannot come back next year and, you know, come to the tour and start in good shape. Chase stage wins, it's, uh,
1: it's certainly possible. I, I don't doubt for a moment that he can't win some stages in the tour. Sam Bennett is a long way from that nine-year-old on a mountain bike in Ireland. Nowadays he lives in Monaco alongside the world's top riders. Talent and persistence has taken him from Carrick and Shore to the Cote d'Azur. One of the best attributes in sport is the ability to bounce back. Just three weeks later, Sam is fighting it out in the Arctic Race of Norway. Christoph is
4: on the left, but I'm not sure he's going to get it. He's got to come around a lot of riders to do it Straight through the middle is Sam Bennett. It is Sam Bennett, the Irishman, who does it for Bora Argon 18. Not quite prepared, the big boys. They could not hit the front. Argon 18 took control from three kilometers to go, did the job perfectly and Sam Bennett was there to finish it off
0: brilliantly. I just kept swinting in the wheels and finding gaps and it just opened and at the last moment I just had to kick really hard and come past them and they're so close but I'm happy with that. <laughs>